0: Hi, I'm Dawn Quest, and welcome to Essentially Women. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about mental load, what it is, why it's apparently such a bone of contention for many women, and how we can ditch some of this load and start encouraging our partners to share more of it. Or is that even possible? But let's start with talking about mental load, the definition of what exactly it is. Well, chances are, if you've never heard about the term then when I start listing off some examples, you'll start to recognise that you've certainly experienced mental load at some point in your life or another. So when I googled the term mental load, um, I wanted to get a real definition of it because I think a lot of people have a vague idea of what it is but can't quite explain it in real words, in real terms. So when I googled it, the best term I came up with was that mental load is it's all the invisible and intangible tasks that are involved in running a household. And it's mainly women who experience it. And I'll be coming back to that in just a minute. But let's talk about this: these invisible and intangible tasks that are involved in running a household. Well, let's think of some of the examples. So firstly, there's childcare if you have children. Now, once upon a time, having children, it just meant keeping our children fed, clothed, warm, loved, those kinds of things, making sure they went to school. Well, these days, for most parents, and mostly women bearing this this brunt, the brunt of mental load, it means being their nutritionist, their chauffeur, their events coordinator, their social media manager, their private tutor, their all-round PA. That's the mental load of childcare that I think most women experience, most mums experience, and it's certainly what has been shared with me. Then there's the household, and that means making sure the fridge is full, remembering bin day, those kinds of things. Um, Planning birthday celebrations, buying gifts for family and friends, planning days out, planning holidays. There's pet care, making to-do lists, date nights, reminding your partner to schedule bill payments if that's what they do. It's all of those things on the to-do list. And some might say, well, that's everybody's to-do list. However, each one of those items on the to-do list has a to-do list all of its very own. And it's the thinking, the planning, the remembering to do do all of those items on the list. That's the mental load. And this list, with its various other to-do lists, it becomes exhausting. And we may look at our partners and think, why aren't you helping? Can't you see that the washing cycle has stopped and the laundry needs hanging out? Can't you see that the bin is overflowing? It needs taking out. You can't just shove another thing in it and push it down and hope the bin fairy will come along. But then if we raise this issue about how we're doing everything, if we actually choose to to make a point about it and speak about it, our partners tend to say, oh, well, you should have asked. If you needed help, If you needed the dishwasher emptying, you you just should have asked. Because yes, if you do ask your partner to empty the dishwasher or bath the kids, they will actually do those things. And they might do them really happily and willingly and be really sweet about it. But should we really need to ask? That's the question. And what they won't do is realise that you're out of dishwasher tabs and put them on the grocery list. Or notice that the baby has a rash while they're getting them ready for the bath. And so they'll call the doctor to book in an appointment just to get them checked out. Or notice that the bath needs are clean after bath time is done and then go and do it, go and clean it. It's like they have blinkers on. They'll do the thing that's asked, but won't do anything more. They'll do the specific thing that you've asked them to do. And that becomes really, really exhausting and really frustrating because again, we wonder why aren't they thinking about all the extra stuff? Why, do their, why does their thinking just stop at the, the thing we've asked them to do? As an example, you might have a work deadline, you might be working late and you ask your partner to make dinner for the kids and you come home to find the dinner's been made but there's stuff everywhere, the kitchen's a mess, the bins are overflowing, and the dog hasn't been fed and when you ask, they'll say, oh, oh you wanted me to clean up too. Uh, another classic that uh, a lot of my women friends will share is that their partners will put back the milk carton with maybe just a centimetre of milk in it, put it back in the fridge And they won't even mention that you're out of milk, you need even more. It's this thinking, this um, feeling that, oh, my partner will do it. I'll put it back because my partner always takes care of that. Then there's this other part of mental load, which a lot of my women friends will agree with. It's this part about having to be grateful and appreciative when our partners do the simple things we ask them to do. It's almost like we have to really go overboard and celebrate and applaud and congratulate them on doing the things that we do kind of without thinking. If a woman changes all the sheets, washes them, puts new sheets on the bed, that's something she does every week. It's just what she does. When her partner does it, it seems to be that there's this need for them to be praised for their efforts. The work we do as women, the standard stuff, It's almost like when it's done by our husbands, by our partners, it needs to be applauded and congratulated. So that's another part of the mental load. And that, again, can be exhausting. And this isn't about man bashing. This really, really isn't. There are men out there who will do more than their fair share of the household childcare responsibilities and actually take on the mental load as well. And I'm very, very lucky my partner is one of those men uh, he makes me look lazy, and that's quite the, <laughs> that's quite the ta- the task. And um, very, very lucky he will be two steps ahead of me sometimes. So this isn't about all men. This isn't about men bashing at all, because this is about essentially women. It's about women's experience, and everything I'm talking about is the experience of my clients, my friends, and myself. I've had experience of really, really having to carry that huge weight. What it really boils down to, I think, is not even just about the task itself. I think as grown-ups, we all accept that we have to clean the bathroom, we have to do the groceries. Those things are part of life. We can accept those. It's not that. It's not the task itself. It's the extra. It's the always having to be the one who thinks about it. It's the always having to be the one who plans it. It's carrying it around in our heads along with all of the other things that we have to do. And if somebody could just take that away from us, I think we would feel instantly better than having to constantly be managing, planning. So again, this isn't about man bashing, but it definitely is a man-woman thing. It's something that a lot of women I speak to say that there is this issue that they have noted between women and their male partners. In a study from 2019, the sociologist Alison Daminger, she talked to 35 heterosexual couples and she found that it was the women in the relationships who tend to take on more of the cognitive labour. And this was particularly true when it came to anticipating the needs of others and monitoring progress, you know, seeing how everything was going. And some might argue, well, Women typically stay home to look after the children. So, of course, they should carry more of the mental load, do more of that planning and arranging. And I say typically because most often that's not the case in a lot of households, both the women and men go to work. But again, in another study from 2019, Lucia Cicciola from the Oklahoma State University, she interviewed nearly 400 married or partnered mothers in the U.S., Nearly 65% of them were employed, but 88% of them also reported that they primarily managed routines at home. 76% said they were mostly responsible for maintaining regular household standards. So the stats will show that it's not just because women typically stay at home and typically are involved with staying home and running a household. This is women who work. And there's even more research to suggest that this doesn't seem to happen in same-sex couples. A study from 2015 found that a greater proportion of same-sex couples said they shared the household and childcare responsibilities. So it definitely is a man versus woman thing. So what is really going on? Why are women taking more of the responsibility for mental load? What is going on that men feel... They shouldn't have to, or they don't even recognise that they should be taking more of this uh, responsibility. Why are they taking this back seat when it comes to sorting out household chores, childcare issues? Well, could it be that men are just better at compartmentalising than women? Are they just good at separating home from work? And when they go to work, that's their place of work, that's where all the work is done but home is about relaxing. Home is where they switch off. Home is meant to be the place they can switch off. Whereas for women, they may work a full day, but come home and actually when they come home, that's when the hard work starts. If you talk to most mums, the the hours between 4pm and 8pm are the busiest hours of the whole day. You almost do put in another whole day shift in those four hours. You pick your children up from school. You have to feed them, make sure they eat properly. Then you have to make sure they do their homework. Then there's bath time, brush their teeth, get into bed. They need a bedtime story. Between the hours of four and eight, that's a very, very busy, full on time. I don't think that many mums would disagree. I used to be in a past relationship where I used to be in complete awe. My partner would just take off for a round of golf. He would spend a day down the golf course with his friends. And he, he just seemed to be able to do it with any without any kind of guilt or any hang-ups. It was simple. Go out to play golf, go have a great time, come back, feel good, switch back into the home environment, job done. <laughs> and I used to be in absolute awe thinking, how does he manage to do that? How is he able to just switch off and not feel any kind of well, I guess the word is guilt. And we talked about it. I'd be told, well, why don't you do the same? Why don't you go and have a day off? Why don't you go out with your friends? Why don't you schedule in some stuff you want to do? And I thought, yeah, I could do that. I could absolutely do that. But then something seemed to stop me. Something was stopping me doing that. What was it? What I used to ask myself, what's stopping me and I do think it was that feeling of guilt about all of the responsibilities, all of the things on my to-do list. But I also think it's about that feeling of when you come back from your day out, from your day off, everything will still be waiting for you, your to-do list plus, they're still going to be waiting for you when you come back. Having a day off, having a day out, even going on a holiday, it doesn't actually remove the workload. In fact, it doubles it because it then compresses it into a shorter amount of time. So I definitely think that's at play and definitely was at play then in that relationship. Could another reason why women take on more of this mental load, could it it just be because we've kind of got used to assigning our roles and have taken on the role of manager because our partners feel that household responsibilities, childcare responsibilities are simply not in their domain? And probably this goes back, you know, decades, years about the traditional roles of men and women, which of course are now completely outdated. Both men and women go out to work, both men and women bring an income. I've often heard my women friends and clients say to me, my partner seems to think that doing the stuff around the house, looking after the children, is it's doing me a favour. He considers it's helping me out, doing me a favour when Actually, it's not even considered part of his role. He doesn't even see it as his role. He thinks he's doing me a favour and he feels really good about that. (laughs) But of course, the instant comeback is it's both of your households. They're both of your children. They belong to both of you. The house is lived in by both of you. But in this situation, the woman becomes the manager and the partner becomes the underling, and I use that word because if you if you Google the French artist Emma, Google Emma and Mental Load, you'll find this comic that went viral and um, she used the word underling. She kind of hits the nail right on the head. She describes the role of women in the house as managers and the role of men as underlings, which I'm sure not many men would like that description, but that's the term she used. While men may not identify as underlings, I think a lot of women would identify with the term manager. Then, of course, there's that old chestnut that women are so much better at multitasking. Men can't multitask, that's what we say. Men can't multitask, women are brilliant at multitasking. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But are we maybe just accepting a statement of fact, which is really just a belief, because I think most men would say that they're they're very good at multitasking at work. They're very good on taking on responsibility where it matters. So I think that's a little bit of a cop-out, isn't it? To say that women are great at multitasking, so therefore they should and they can take on all of these tasks all at once. And I think it's also quite insulting to men, isn't it, really? I think men are absolutely so much more capable than we often give them credit for. But there is research that suggests there is another reason why men aren't taking on more of the mental load. In her same report, her same study, how couples share cognitive labour and why it matters, Alison Daminger, she identified four stages of the mental load. The first one was anticipating a need. Just take the example of finding childcare. So say it's your first child. You've taken maternity leave and it's time to go back to work, so you anticipate the need for childcare. You think, I need to find childcare. The second stage is identifying options for filling it. So you start to think, am I going to use daycare or am I going to have a babysitter or an au pair, a nanny? Am I going to do shared childcare? You start identifying the options Then you start looking around, you ask for reviews, references, you Google these various options, you look at, you get word of mouth experiences, you start to fill in the gaps about, you know, how you're going to fulfil this need. The third stage is deciding among the options. So you have the options and then you decide which one you're going to go with. Um, Maybe you've chosen daycare. So that's it, you sign on the dotted line, everything's sorted. And then the last stage is monitoring the results. So once your child is in daycare, you start checking in, reflecting whether you've made the right decision. Is your child happy? Does it seem like a good place? Is it working out? Those are the four stages. And what she found were that women were disproportionately likely to take the lead in anticipating upcoming needs and monitoring the outcome. So they did all of the prep work, all of the planning, all of the arranging, and then all of the monitoring afterwards. But then when it came to actually doing the decision making, when it came to the third stage making a decision, that's where their partners got involved, their, the men got involved. So I've got these choices, these are the options that were you know, that are available to us, what do you think? And that's when men typically stepped in and helped with this decision-making. It became a collaborative um, process at that point. And it became apparent that the men were very keyed into the power play of decision-making. They liked that feeling of being involved. They also liked being appreciated for being part of that collaborative process. But apart from that, it was the women who did all of the pre-work, all of the planning, all of that thinking, anticipating, worrying, let's not forget the worrying, of deciding what childcare was going to, which childcare they were going to go with in this example. And it's this prep work, this planning that's exhausting, but it's also invisible. This is the part our partners can't see. This is the part that they're not aware of. And maybe that's why it contributes to them not really understanding, appreciating or helping if they can't see the work that's involved, they maybe don't understand that balance of you know, the workload, the share of mental load is not proportional or equal. The fact of the matter, though, is absolutely exhausting and frustrating. It's incredibly stressful. And this is why it matters, because the impact of mental load on women is huge. It impacts every aspect of their life and contributes to just increased levels of stress. There's a complete myth about multitasking, that women are great multitaskers and that they're really good at, you know, splitting splitting all their different tasks and doing them all really, really well, which we are. We're brilliant at multitasking. But there is lots of research to suggest that multitasking doesn't really work and that we're only human. We can only give as much as of our energy and time as we are capable of. And if we have to split it into different portions, we're going to give less of ourselves to those key things. Never is this more true if you're a working mum, you're holding down a job and you're also dealing with childcare and you feel like you can't be both. A lot of working mums I talk to say they're very, very torn between giving 100% to their job and giving 100% to their children. It's just not possible. It's it's exhausting. It's frustrating. And This leads overall to a feeling of failure, and I speak to a lot of women about how they feel they can't be the best they can be at their job, and they are not really being the best they want to be as a parent. And this can lead to burnout, to stress, which has an impact on every part of life. So how do we stop? How do we put down this huge mental load? How do we get rid of it, share the burden. I think tackling the mental load is quite a complex issue and it has so many different layers involved in it. But I think if we're talking about how we as women can help ourselves, can stop, can encourage our partners to take on more of this mental load, I think it's about, first of all, making the invisible visible. And that means really having that frank, open discussion with your partner about how you're feeling. Now, of course, I know that that in itself can be a minefield. And I know that many women will have experienced trying to explain mental load to a partner and coming away feeling that they just didn't understand it. They didn't get it. And that makes you feel even more frustrated because that's even more mental load having to explain the whole issue of mental load. I think also we are afraid because this is our experience of being told that we're nagging or we're nags when really we're not nagging. We're just trying to ask for help. And whether it's the way that we ask or whether it's just the way it's received, when we ask for help around the house or with kids, it seems to be that we're nagging. Um, Our partners, we have experience of them taking it very, very personally feeling like it's an attack on their character. And this leads to a huge argument, a huge disagreement. And then we say to ourselves, well, why did I even bother? I might as well just do it myself. I think that's another part of mental load. We're so tired having to explain it. We just say, you know what, I might as well just do it myself. Or we ask for a job to be done. It gets half done. And we think it's just easier it's quicker if I just do it myself. And also we don't then don't have an argument. But I think if we go down that route, nothing's going to change. So I do think it's about having that discussion with our partners and trying to do it in a way that isn't specifically, not in the moment, <laughs> not in the moment when you're really, really furious that once again, the kitchen's a mess or um, things have been overlooked, the pile of clothes on the floor has been stepped over rather than put in the laundry bin whatever it may be is never a good time to have that discussion when you're at your most irritated (laughs) and that's true of every situation in life so choose your moment and again make the invisible visible explain write it down this is what's involved. Show it to your partner and say, you think this task is just about this, but let me show you actually all the other stuff I do. We can't just assume that our partners can read our minds. I think it's also about asking ourselves some really tough questions. In any relationship dynamic, both partners are contributing to that dynamic. So we do have to ask ourselves, why am I allowing this? Why am I putting up with it? What's stopping me from dumping this mental load? And they could be very valid reasons, as we talked about, fear of the family suffering, fear of things descending into chaos, whether that's real or imagined, it's still a worry. Guilt about taking time out for ourselves, feeling selfish. We do have to challenge ourselves and ask, why are we allowing this situation to continue? What's the worst thing that could happen if I dropped some of this mental load If I just dropped it and allowed somebody to pick up the burden, well, I guess the worst thing that could happen is that nobody does take up that slack. Your partner just goes on regardless. But at some point, he's going to notice that there's no milk in the fridge. At some point, he's going to notice that the socks aren't cleaned. (laughs) If that's the job that you're doing, go on strike. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe we need to go on strike. Say, I'm not going to continue doing this until things change around here. I'm not going to be picking up the slack. Your family, your partner will soon notice when things aren't getting done. But that requires us to let go of control. It requires us to put up with things being not quite the way we want them around the house. How long can you leave it before things start to bug you? I guess that all depends on your tolerance level, doesn't it? Your tolerance for standards slipping or in this case your standard slipping do we also have to ask whether we are setting a standard are we maybe being too perfectionist so i know a lot of men will say well she's asked me to do the washing up but when i do it she'll complain that it isn't done right i've done it wrong and um there's that joke isn't there that men sometimes do things badly so we'll never <laughs> so we'll never ask them to do it again but maybe we have to let our standards go a little bit. Is the objective to get the task done rather than to get it done the way you want it to? So maybe we do have to be a little less perfectionist. Maybe we are so used to running the show, running the household. We want to do it exactly the way we want it to be done. But that means we are putting ourselves in the role of managers. If you want it done exactly a certain way, then you have to accept the responsibility of being a manager rather than allowing your partner to get the job done in the way they think is best. We also have to model good dynamics for our sons. I think maybe there's a tendency as mums that we do more than we should. We're guilty of uh, teaching learned helplessness. And maybe, this is perhaps a little bit controversial, we do more for our sons than our daughters. Is that right? Is that your experience? Tell me, tell me whether that's true. These are all good questions to start asking ourselves. Why am I taking on more of this load than I should? What's stopping me from putting it down? What's stopping me from having this open conversation with my partner? And I have to say, I'm really interested to know what your experiences are. What's your experience? Send me some of your examples of the the ways you have carried the mental load. What are the situations you found yourself in? What is it you do that your husband, your partner your boyfriend doesn't do what are the things that really really drive you crazy you know is it the empty milk bottle in the fridge or the overflowing bins is it something bigger what are the things that really really grind your gears if you like and that are really frustrating you I think there's definitely more we can talk about on the issue of mental load and it's something I will be talking about more in future. So do send me your experiences, send me your questions and in one of the upcoming episodes we'll really delve into some of the issues around how we can let go of this mental load and how we can do ourselves a favour and stop taking all of the responsibility ourselves. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Essentially Women. If you have any questions at all, please email me at dawn at dawnquest.co.uk or you can visit my website, dawnquest.co.uk. So bye-bye for now. And I hope you'll join me, DawnQuest, here next week on Essentially Women.